Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Hung out in Seattle for a couple of years, watched my life just fall apart, and said I got to move home. Mm. Moved home. Uh, I'd been, I, I, I was already on the path, so moved home and uh, bought my first duplex in 2010. So that's. And you took advantage of the uh, FHA loan, actually. Oh, you didn't, oh, you didn't, you didn't do didn't, VA? No, I've done my VA since then, but I used okay. FHA 203K loan. So I did the rehab loan. Oh, you did a rehab. I did a rehab loan. Interesting. Wow, your first purchase. You took on a duplex and yeah. did a rehab. I didn't know any better. So, so did someone guide you through that, or? Yeah, I, when I came back, my uh, my longtime friend here referred me to uh, an agent who helped them, who's now my mentor and business partner. Um, and uh, oh, you did that with Kama. I did that with Kama. Yeah, so amazing. She, so she was my agent, and um, it's been it, it was it was great. It was I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Right. Literally, like my that was my thought process was. What are they going to take away my, I think I had a Subaru at the time. Not, <laughs> I, I, it was a truck at the time. What are they that was back me? when you put cars on your loan application. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I've got this Ranger, man. This this asset is $2,000. Uh, but that it was, I just squeaked by. And I, I thought, okay, I, I can swing both sides of this. It's not going to hurt me. I had a W-2 job at the time. Welcome to episode 50 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm a multifamily and short-term rental investor, and I'm an agent in Oregon and Washington. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, a mortgage lender based here in Portland, and I'm licensed in about 10 states. And I invest in single-family homes. And who do we have on the show today? Yeah, so we had Matthew Ray. He's an agent. Um, so he started out uh, in the Marine Corps uh, before he started in real estate, and he kind of tells us the story that uh, where his life was headed, and then uh, you know eventually he got into house hacking, got into his first duplex, and yeah. really built a good portfolio from there. Yeah, and this was all like while he was working retail, um, yeah. but eventually he you know caught the bug and transitioned out of that. So he shares his story, and he also talks about the importance of bringing the investment mindset into real estate and how that can impact your ability to be a fiduciary for your client. Yeah, yeah. No, he became a realtor, uh, quite a good one at that. And, you know, like I, I really appreciate the conversation we had about what it takes to really take care of your clients. And I think that's, you know, one of the best lessons we take from this episode. Enjoy. Hey, guys, welcome to episode 50 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee. And we're super excited to have uh, Matthew Ray here with us today. Uh, Matthew, do you mind just giving us a quick introduction? You know, like where I don't know if you're from Portland, like yeah. how how you kind of what your career arc was and what kind of got you into real estate. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate of course. it. Uh, I was born in Portland. Uh, I was raised up in St. John's, native here. Uh, Unicorn. Yeah, I know. We call it Snobs, Society of Native Oregon Borns. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, you too? Yeah, we're going to tell everybody about I, it. Yeah, I grew so, up in yeah. Northeast Portland. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, moved to the suburbs when I was a kid uh, and graduated high school, joined the Marine Corps. I was smart enough to go to an alternative school for uh, smart kids, mm. but not smart enough to stay out of the Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I did that. Uh, and then. Uh, right out of high school, you. Joined, I graduated early, actually. Okay. Yeah, and then joined the Marine Corps. Um, yeah, trick me once, shame on you. Trick me twice comes later in the story. Uh, <laughs> Wait, start, so you were under 18 then? I was 17, yeah. Wow. My, par my parents had to sign off. Uh, yeah. My mom cried. Uh, sorry, Mom. <laughs> She'll watch. Uh, one one view. Um, and uh, it was just really important to me. I, I think I had something to prove. I was super scrawny, uh, nerdy. I'm still nerdy. Mm. Um, no family history? Of, uh, oh. All family history in the Navy on um, my Navy, dad's okay. side. Yeah, so okay. I'm a black sheep. Uh, I joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. So, in the Department of the Navy. So you guys probably okay. still joke about that they do i've got a i've got an uncle who's 96 and was in world war ii on the missouri and uh yeah so i still remind him it's cool uh, I joined the Marine Corps, uh you know but uh did that uh, great experiences it actually ties into what i do now what year weirdly. was this uh, 98 to 2002. Okay. Oh, so yeah. like right during like the... So you were there war. during 9-11? Yeah, I was in Darwin, Australia on 9-11. Uh, and then we put to sea the next morning, 
total blackout of news uh, November 7th, I think. I watched cruise missiles fly up uh, out of the ocean. I was in Pakistan, and then by early December, I was in Afghanistan. <laughs> Sitting in a hole for four months with no clothes, no food, just all MREs, uh, water, no shower, clothes rotted off the body. Like, it was wow. it was crazy uh, to think it was only 20 years ago. Man, but nothing, crazy. I mean, other than that, you just sat in the desert and stared out of the horizon for four months. So... MREs. All MREs. Do you, is, is it like something nostalgic to you now? Or is it like if you if you even smell it, it's the worst thing ever? You know, uh, it is kind of nostalgic. Yeah. It's been long enough right. that, uh, you know, the, the peanut butter's worn out of the system. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nostalgic now. Yeah. It's been 20. I mean, I got out again in 2006. So it's been almost 25 years now. And that crew, that crew are you still like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we're Facebook friends. Uh, I've helped one of them. He lives down in Southern Oregon with some real estate stuff. Um, And I've given advice. I've got a friend that flips in in Texas. And so we we talk from time to time. Wow, so of those... Of the, how big was the crew? Uh, like 30. So in that platoon, there was 30. Yeah. Okay. And a few of them were in real estate. That's, yeah, that's it's kind of kind of weird. Uh, yeah. There's another guy in another, another platoon. I think he's an agent in Eugene. But uh, without Facebook, I didn't get on Facebook until probably, I don't know, 2015, 2016. So a long time had passed. And I reconnected, but it's not like we're, I mean, I love them. I'd go drop everything to help them. But right. it's not a hub of my life. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then drove ambulances for a couple of years, rejoined the Marine Corps. Went, I went back. Wow. I went back. I know. Trick me, oh, man. So <laughs> so stupid. Uh, was that on your own volition, or did they like call? No, you? I volunteered. Yeah, I okay. volunteered. I went to Iraq. Uh, so I was in Iraq for uh, seven eight months. Okay. Um, and then got back and was done. <laughs> I was gonna say, hopefully it was a little bit more organized than the first time you went. No, it was actually worse. Oh, was it worse? Yeah, it was. Oh. It was worse. Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was all fine. It's. It's fine. Um, not fine <laughs> but it, it's as fine as it can be right and I took a lot from it and I think mm. that's what's important because uh, right after I got back I moved to Seattle life kind of collapsed marriage fell apart like mm. shocking things you know uh, when you look back in hindsight at the time it was blindsiding me but um, when you look back you're like oh man I've got fingerprints all over that like mm. my my actions led to these points and so um, hung out in Seattle for a couple years watched my life just fall apart and said, I got to move home. So mm. I moved home. Uh, I'd been, I'd, I, I was already on the path, so moved home and uh, bought my first duplex in 2010. So that's. And you took advantage of the. Uh, FHA loan, actually. Oh, you didn't, oh, you, you didn't, didn't do didn't, VA? No, I've done my VA since then, but I used okay. FHA 203K loan. So I did the rehab loan. Oh, you did a rehab? I did a rehab loan. Interesting. Wow, your first purchase, you took on a duplex and yeah. did a rehab. I didn't know any better. So so did someone guide you through that? or? Yeah, I, when I came back, my, uh, my longtime friend here referred me to uh, an agent who helped them, who's now my mentor and business partner. Um, and, uh, oh, you did that with Kama? I did that with Kama, yeah. So Amazing. She, so she was my agent, and um, it's been it, it was it was great. It was I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Right. Literally, like my that was my thought process was, what are they going to take away my? I think I had a Subaru at the time. Not a truck. <laughs> I, I, it was a truck at the time. What are they? That was back me? when you put cars on your loan application. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I've got this Ranger, man. This this asset is two thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, but that it was I just squeaked by, and I, I thought, okay, I, I can swing both sides of this. It's not gonna. It's not going to hurt me. I had a W-2 job at the time. so. I mean, what was your thought with getting that duplex? Were you like, I'm going to live on one side or rent the other? Or I was just, I just want a duplex? Yeah. Um, or were you coached into it? Uh, vaguely coached. I knew I wanted a rental property. Okay, uh, so you, a, had the, you had the mindset. Yeah, back in Long Beach uh, in California, uh, between my Marine Corps career's time when I was driving ambulances, I was sitting at, uh, in an apartment building that a family friend of the my then-wife um, owned and they'd owned it free and clear for 30 years and so we're two blocks from the beach and i'm doing the math of all the apartment units i was like 24 25 right, right. 24 i thought oh man i gotta own real estate like, <laughs> i've got to own real estate it took a couple of years to figure it out so right. i wanted a multi-family hindsight i should have gone for more i mean i should have got a fourplex but hey duplex worked out really well still have it it's love it i wouldn't want to trade it for the world and you so. oh wow you've kept it the whole time i have i've i've tried to sell it a couple times if i tried i mean talked about it and then yeah. uh, smarter people in my life stop me from doing that. And now I stop myself from doing it. Yeah. I, I've matured enough to know that that's an asset that I can tap with lines of credit and yeah. use to buy other stuff. I don't need to sell it to get the same result. Right. So, and I'm gaining equity hand over fist. I was going to so. say, like back in 2010, the duplex market probably was super cheap. and Was atrocious, yeah. yeah. To, I think all in with the FHA rehab, the 203 rehab, I think was like 260. 
And this is wait, in Portland or what in Por- yeah, northeast. Two sixty. Right. You wow. put you so you put three and a half percent down. So yep. you were in for what? Um, it was two thirty or two two thirty when I bought plus the thirty. So yeah. two sixty all in. So yeah, I think I had like I think it was like fourteen thousand. Yeah, fourteen fifteen like to yeah. total in. Yeah. Okay. And then you were. Do you remember like what the what you were renting your apartment for? Like what your lease yeah. was at the time versus what you were paying mortgage wise. Yeah, it was. Uh, I took it over. Uh, I did end up evicting both or both sides. Uh-huh. It was it was a hoarder house. I feel bad for as a human being. I, I have empathy. I should say I feel bad. I have empathy for the people that were in that situation. Yeah. Um, and I think their rents were six hundred when okay. I got done the rehab. I lived in one half, of course, and the other side I think rented at nine twenty five. Mm. Um, we're at nineteen ninety a unit now. Yeah. So, that sounds about right. Yeah. And at, at the time when when you were looking at that, you were you, you did you know that you could like make it rent for more or were you just kind of like already underwriting it like okay, I'll just assume I'm going to get like 600 or Yeah, I I went uh I went full worst case scenario. Uh-huh. And so it was I can afford both sides with my more. I was a store manager it wasn't store. I was a manager at Trader Joe's. Oh, and okay. so I, I made okay money, but I knew that I could pay both sides of my mortgage on my own. Right. So, so if you had vacancy, you weren't I wasn't worried about it. It was the second thing I bought that got scary cuz that's when I was at the whims of the market. So at the time, but in in hindsight it, it you're going to get tenants. I mean, don't be a slumlord. Good, put a nice product. Mm-hmm. Uh, be something that you'd be proud of living in. I live right next door. Like, it, yeah. people knock down. I, I think the longest vacancy I had was um, almost a month. And that's when I was managing, when I was self-managing. Now that I have a property manager, in it's like two days. In the last 12 years, you've had a month yeah, of vacancy? A month, uh, probably a month. I bet, <laughs> I bet in 12 years, there's been a total downtime of probably six weeks Jeez. in 12 years. Now. Help us understand, because we haven't actually talked a lot about 203K loans yeah. and rehab loans in the show. So so for our audience, like what what did that process, I mean, I know it's been a while, yeah. maybe, but maybe you help your clients with it now. What is yeah. that, what was that process like for you as a first-time home buyer and, and like... It actually, I think, was easier as a first-time home buyer, because again, I had no frame, you didn't know better, I, right? I had no frame of reference. Yeah. I, I didn't, and I, as an agent now... I know how much work it is right. yeah. to find a contractor who's willing mm-hmm. to do the work, to find an agent who's willing to do the work, to find a seller who's willing to go through the work with you. Yep. I mean, that, we just don't do them anymore. I, I know they happen, but realistically, there's only a couple of years when I look at the stat charts that, that happen because it's challenging. But yeah, if you can have a contractor that's willing to work with you, an agent that's willing to work with you, and a, and a seller, you can tie rehab costs into your into mm-hmm. the loan purchase. And was that property like not financeable without doing the rehab that you did, or was the rehab more for just to make it a better property for you to rent? Yeah, just to make it a better property. I mean, okay. it, it would have financed. Um, it needed, I mean, I did new carpet. I put up some shingles on the outside. Uh, we put a new roof on. That was during the sale, actually. Mm. Um, kitchen, bathroom. It's a two. Well, both. roof sounds like they might might have been called out by appraiser. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty bad. It, it possibly might not have okay. financed. But yeah, I, yeah, okay. we rolled down that road as if it would finance. I see, so, I yeah. see. Oh, that's so. That's pretty significant. So, so roof and some cosmetic stuff on the yeah. inside. And then I did all one half. So I used a two or three for all one side of it. Yeah. Um, and got that side up that I rented out. Then I lived in the side that needed more work, hmm. but that I could do on my own. And you just did it on process. your own. Yeah, I butchered it. Uh, <laughs> just just totally, one hundred percent. I was going to ask if you were yeah. handy. You know? Oh God, no! I, I, I break stuff. Uh, that's that's the Marine Corps coming out. Like I break it, but uh, I like I pulled the carpet out. I mean, I cleaned the kitchen. My dad actually came and helped me. I think we spent 24 hours of labor cleaning the kitchen. Mm. Um, like at this point, just pay somebody to clean it. They do it half the time. It was bad, but they do it half the time, half the cost. I mean, I put up my own drywall. I had some uh, a friend come help me do that. I painted, but turns out I'm I'm not handy. I don't do good electrical work. I I had ceiling fan replacement that was just hanging down for three weeks. While I was trying to figure out how to fix it, and finally I just paid a guy to come in and and put it up and the electrician was done in, you know, an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but since then I put in mini splits. Uh, it's about due for another paint job. But otherwise it's been super steady. Mm. You know, you buy in a good location and it, it takes care of itself. Mm. Where, you said it was in Northeast Portland? Just south of Alberta. Okay. Oh, so you're like. Yeah, right off Skidmore. Yeah. Perfect okay. walking wow. district. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's far exactly where you want to rent, right? It is. It's far enough off of Alberta, so we're five, six blocks off Alberta south of it, that and I, I told all my tenants this. You you don't have a problem parking. You can park on the street, you can park in the driveway, you don't have people stumbling in your yard. Um, but you get to walk up and you get to go enjoy it all you want. So it's it's it was it's really it was a amazing buy. Um, that I'm very thankful that I took the jump on. And what would you, so what was the square footage about? Uh, it's like uh, the each side's eight. It's about sixteen fifty ish. Oh, yeah. pretty good size. Yeah. So what would you estimate the value at now? Uh, seven. Wow. 
So that's almost what four hundred and Five hundred fifty thousand. I can't do math. Right yeah, now. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's been a good property for me. Yeah. I, re, I refinanced it and used it to buy, uh, put a down payment on a house. I've got a line of credit on it now. So I mean, mm -hmm. I I leverage it, but even so, right. I'm probably less than seventy percent loan to value right now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so, so you're at Trader Joe's. You've got the duplex, and after you kind of did the renovation, got it leased up, where you're like, oh shit, this is this is the thing that I'm going to do, or yeah. were you still just like, eh, I'm just going to? No, man. Ten months later, I'm looking for the next one. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, it was right after, as I was approaching the 12-month mark. I mean, I knew I could buy it. I wanted to do what I said I would do, live there for 12 months. Yeah. Um, that's I what you signed on the mortgage note, right? That's what I signed on the mortgage <laughs> note. No mortgage fraud. Um, uh, disclaimer. Uh, and so I found a little single family up in St. John's, and I moved into that. Uh, I lived there for about a year and a half, mm. and then I did it again. So I, I used my VA loan on that one on the house in St. John's. So then that's another zero down loan. Right. Uh, refinance in a conventional and then use my VA loan again to buy one out in Cla a duplex out in Clackamas. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Oh, no, oh, so then you went back to a duplex again. Yeah, I mean, single family with an ADU above the garage. Oh, but, perfect. But two yeah. units. Two yeah. units. You so. said that this second one stretched you a little bit? In this yeah, sense? yeah. Uh, how so? Um, I... I had savings, not as much as, in hindsight, not as much as I should have. But again, I was I was 30. I didn't have really any bills. I didn't, it wasn't scary, <clears throat> except that if I didn't have a job, I couldn't, and I didn't have tenants, I couldn't afford both payments without dipping my savings. And so that was pretty terrifying because I'm financially or fiscally pretty conservative. So, yeah. 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 But again, I was, I, I say it tongue in cheek, but what were they going to do? What's the worst that was going to happen? Take my houses away from me? But I would have had to go for months without that. I get another job. And get roommates, mm. and get new tenants in. You're gonna be okay as long as you buy smart. You're gonna be okay. Got it. Okay, so you're in St. John's now. You're you're there, and you're still like just looking to the next project. Were you thinking about what about the real estate process? At yeah. what point did you start getting interested into joining that field professionally? That's that's when it happened. So I, I made a jump. I was a uh, moved over to New Seasons, became an assistant store manager, and then eventually a store manager there. And while I was doing that, I started a property management company. Um, I figured I was managing my own. I can yeah. manage other people's. Oh, as like a side business. As, yeah, ex exactly. So you well, had to get your license for that. I did. I right. got my yeah. property manager's license, yeah. So I did that in 2012, huh. So I you believe. were more interested at first in the management side than the actual, like, yeah. transactional side. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, and I still see, actually, I see a huge need for it. Um, I see a huge opportunity for it. And I think that there is a opportunity for somebody who's operationally strong to uh, provide an amazing service and create. Especially now with the oh new, my new rules, right? Yeah, you, you oh, could, yeah. It, it, a yeah. fortune could be made in property management. Um, I promptly sold my business though. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like this as much as I thought. Yeah, well, so here's the thing, is that with property management, I woke up every day behind the curve. My mm -hmm. tenants thought I was, this is hyperbole, but my tenants thought I was a slumlord and my owners thought I wasn't making enough money. Mm, and so yeah. every day- How many accounts were you at? Oh, I think I had like five or six. But enough that it was like yeah. impinging on your regular career and- Yeah, it, it, so it was. I realized that there's, a, there's an opportunity here to move forward, but to do that, I need to either quit my day job and go all in on this. Yeah. But I, at the time, then I, I got married, we had four kids. Um, I, I had too many responsibilities to feel like at the time I could make that jump. Mm. Um, and some of the reporting, the accounting processes, you have to do the three-way reconciliation as a, as a property manager in Oregon. I just said, I don't think this is worth it. I'm going to sell this now. So I sold the business. And I mean, it was a small business. But I sold it. Yeah. Uh, and but then, you were able to sell it. That's, I was able to sell it That's actually pretty impressive because anytime yeah. I feel like you can smell, sell a small business, it's, yeah. it's awesome. It, it's a win. So, yeah. So then that led me to, uh, I, I took a year or so off. Um, I'd, I looked at being a broker for a while. Um, I was really good. Was Kama encouraging you or was she, she still? Stopped, she stopped me. Uh, oh, was she still like, I want to just, yeah, help you keep buying? And Well, no, no. She stopped me because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Oh, okay. And um, and as soon as the that switch flipped in my head, as soon as it took a couple of years, but as soon as I, I changed my mindset, she was all in. Mm, um, yeah. Interesting. So. What was the reason? Because I mean, I, I'm a broker too. Yeah, and I can yeah. tell you that I became an agent on a dare. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, and, and you worked out just fine, right? Yeah. It worked out well, and I, I probably would have been just fine. But the experience that I had since then in that interim made me a much better agent at mm. what I do. I was running from a job. 
I was okay. running from an industry that I didn't really like, that I saw a future in. I mean, I, I know lots of people that are grocers, that are good grocers. It's a good career. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't for Especially me. Especially in East Eden, there's a yeah. great track there. Yeah, it's a good track. It was a good. It is a good company. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the people I work with, but the idea of doing that for 40 years made me just die inside. Yeah. And until I found out what I was running towards, I was just running from something. And mm-hmm. so it took a while to figure out what what are you running towards. And I think it's the same thing in real estate. It's what's your goal. We'll she wanted to do your it. why. She wanted your why. Before she'd say, yeah, I think you're, I think you should do this. And mm-hmm. I, I went on my own. I was on my own for a while. It's not, um, we can make it look really easy on the team when referrals just come in and the phone rings all the time. <laughs> and so if that was my only exposure to real estate, I would have not known otherwise. But so I went out on my own for a couple I think six months, five months, did four deals, made sure like, yep, I can do this, quit new seasons, and went full time. Hmm. So, Oh, wow. So you got your license, and then after five months, you, yeah. you felt like you, your volume was enough that you, were, you could just go all in. I could see a pipeline coming. Yeah. I, I could see that I had proof of concept. Um, still a little too dumb to know better, <laughs> um, but uh, it's a recurring theme. But it, it, it's just knowing that at some point in time, you got to do something. You got to put your chips on the table and take a risk. And, and I think, well, what's the, again, what's the worst that's going to happen? I had a little bit of savings. Uh, my car was free and clear. Mm. My, my wife was in school or at a job at the time. Like it's, oh, she, she, was in, she had a job, too. Uh, I, did she have a job then? Maybe or she, at least some future I don't, steady income. Yes, yeah. She was, I think she was in school at that okay. time when I quit. But uh-huh. uh, it but. was it – was, it's a tough decision. But it, it paid off, and you realize that – Again, the worst case scenario, you just go get a job. Right. Like that's, that's, yeah, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Did you have some cash flow from the properties you had at that point to kind of pull you over a little bit? (laughs) I leveraged them pretty heavily. Um, (laughs) And I I paid down some of the leverage. I actually sold a couple since then um, for other variety of reasons, some good, some poor choices, (laughs) but uh, not enough to live on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it it was enough, again, that, like, okay, I don't have to touch this. And worst case scenario, I can pull the plug. I can sell one and I can keep us going. It's not the goal. It's not why I have them, but it's an option that you don't have if you don't have them. I, and I like that mindset because it get, like that's the idea that I always think about is it's like, just hold on to your house, see what it's like. Mm-hmm. If you hate it, whatever, sell it. Yeah. You, I mean, you're going to, you were planning on selling it anyways. Like you can always choose to sell, but, but holding on to it gives you options, right? Exactly. That's, I look at real estate as options <clears throat> and I know that we're, you know, in 10 years, if, something happens and I need an option, I can sell one of my properties. That if I didn't have that property, I don't have that option. It's not my first choice, yeah. but it's nice to have that in the back of your head that you can, I can pull that handle mm-hmm. and off I go. And mm-hmm. it, it buys me more time. It helps me, it helps me not cut back now, right? I mean, real estate, it's, it's not the easiest year in real estate. No. <laughs> um, but I know that I can continue putting money into marketing. I can t- continue pouring money into my clients. I can continue pouring money into the team and make sure that we're all on the right path moving forward. Um, because I know that, A, it's going to get better, it, all things are cyclical, but also I have a bandwidth that I can tap if I need to. So mm-hmm. it gives me a, a longer runway than some folks who are getting in that have, you know, I, I've got three weeks worth of cash in the bank account. Well, that, that's not going to help you in real estate when you get started. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, were you jumping into uh, being a broker as with more of an investment tint or just straight up residential, like I'll help you into your first home, traditional real estate stuff? Yeah, I, I like helping people create wealth through real estate. And so I approach every transaction, uh, every situation, every client as if I'm helping them build wealth through real estate, whether mm. they know it or not. Mm. So I would say I approach it with an investment standpoint, but my mind is always, can we rent this house for them? Can we sell this house for them? Who buys this house? Can we turn it into a rental? What happens besides just you living here? Mm. And it's always within the framework of what's right for them at that time. Yeah, but if right. I, it still has to be something they can afford. Exactly, that they want that's going to make yeah. their life better. But if we're looking at two houses and one is, you know, no street parking and backs onto a busy street, I'm going to say, okay, well, so this reduces your option pool on the back end if you go down this road. Not saying don't do it. I'm saying don't do it. But not saying you can't do it, but also why do it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I, I always uh, start with an investment bent when I talk mm-hmm. to my clients mm-hmm. and sometimes they're like, I don't care about this. I just want this house. And I'm like, yep. okay. So what Take I do, yeah, I, <laughs> hands off the wheel. <laughs> what, 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 I, I tell them, I, I get you don't care, but here's the deal. Selfishly, I care because yeah. you're going to sell this someday and I'm going to sell it for you. 
And if it's a pain to, to buy now, if it's a pain to sell mm. now, it's going to be a pain for me to sell later. So let me help you with this, and you'll thank right. me later. Oh, and then, yeah. yeah, hands off the wheel, right? It's, yeah, it's if, their they, money. if they're just like, I just am emotionally attached to this house, and yep. this is the lifestyle I want, I'm yep. just like, okay, I gave you all my feedback on that. Yeah. Some people just don't want to hear that, they that investment stuff. They just want... You can put your couch here. You yeah. can put your TV here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wouldn't this be a great space for you to, yeah. I don't know, walk your dog? <laughs> you I know? think we get egos involved a lot that in the transaction that, we, that not we, but a lot of agents get their egos involved. I had a conversation earlier this week with buyers um, that uh, it was, okay, here's what you can ask for. Here's what I think we can get, right? Yeah. But they didn't want to get it. They were done, and they were tired, and they were just ready to say okay. And it was it came down to us going back and forth for 36 hours over $2,000, they weren't worried about it. So I can get my ego in there and push, push, push. Oh, yeah. Or I can just say, this is what my buyer wants. They're good. They're just going to leave that two grand on the table because they want to run Hood to Coast this weekend. They're right. more they're more concerned about that. Okay, that's it's their life. And yes. so, yeah, you're right. The investment is important, and I always keep that mindset. But I don't – and I tell them up front, I'm going to be your wealth advisor. I said I'm, I'm part of your wealth journey, not a financial advisor or not a – Financial plan, certified financial planner, but I'm part of your wealth journey, and and we're going to be here because I, I I'm not transactional, I'm relationship based. I'll be here for years and years and years for you, and ultimately it's going to be the right house. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I definitely love pushing my investment philosophy on people, mm -hmm. but if it's it's just not being heard, I'm like I I understand that. Yeah. And you know, obviously at the end of the day, you just try to give them the best experience, give them all the forewarnings of like you said. Yeah. This might not sell in the future. Yeah. This may have some issues, but you know getting appreciation etc but you know as long as you're you know what you're getting into i'm okay with it yeah i always tell people it's your money i'm not signing your mortgage i'm not paying your bills yep. um i'm going to tell you what i think i'm going to i think that's what you want I, i'm going to tell you my opinion i'm going to tell you the reasons why and i'm going to give you your options and in, in everything and you might only have two right it might be take it or leave it but the, here are your options and then it's your choice right and i'm going to help you ask the questions and investing is the same way it's what are the, what questions you need to ask to further your goals, I'm going to help you ask those questions so you're asking the right questions so you can make a confident decision. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that fiduciary aspect of, of our careers, I think, yeah. is sometimes glossed over. And it's totally. super important that we, because, I mean, ultimately, what percentage of our clients is there is that single family home, their, yeah. their largest investment and their largest asset? Like, a huge amount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even even in the investor world, I mean, they're the the house is going to appreciate faster than the duplex generally, right? And Generally, yeah. So it's going to get them – that's still going to be a nice plug-and-play piece later in their life, even if they do turn into investment in the future. And if not, well, then they'll sell it in the future or give it to a kid or donate to charity or do whatever they want to do with it. That's okay yeah. because it's their choice as long as we show them the path. Um, switching gears here, you mentioned yeah. earlier that you still feel comfortable putting on marketing spend in this market, yeah. which, you know, a lot of us are kind of like tightening up, mm -hmm. right? The, mm -hmm. the market's tightening for everybody. We're a little bit <clears throat> nervous about spending money on marketing spend. And one thing I noticed that working with your team is that you're, you're really good about, um, about gifting and expressing gratitude. Mm -hmm. I think during a transaction, um, you, you guys were the listing agent and at closing you sent me a gift and I was mm -hmm. like, that's weird. <laughs> you, you, you know, like surprise, I think in the 300 or 400 or whatever, how many transactions they've done in the last years, I don't yeah. think that that's ever happened to me before. Yeah. And it was like, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to remember that person. What, um, like what's your mindset with, with marketing? What have you done that you found successful and have you like played around with different strategies or? Uh, I'm all referral, all, all referral based, I, I, relationship based. I think if I take care of people, they will send people to take care of me. And I feel like that's recession proof. That's good market. That's mm. bad market proof mm. that if I put their needs for, I talk, I talked two people out of selling last week. Mm. I, I go home, Hey babe, I talked two people out of selling $30,000. I didn't bring into the business, but it's the right thing to do for them. Yeah. Right. And so, and they know that and they appreciate it. And it's easy to say that right up front, but it's when you show them throughout the process. Mm. And so with the marketing, I, I, I mean, events, client events, all right? I, I, I do try to express gratitude. I know it takes a village, right? Every transaction's got a you and a you on it and a me in it. There's two different agents, right? Because I don't double in deals. There's um, there's a lender involved. There's appraisers involved. There's inspectors involved. Mm -hmm. And I know that when we're sitting here looking at multiple offers that we need to look at who's the agent involved, who's the lender involved. And it's a small world. And I, I mean, I, I've had deals accepted because of the lender we're using, right? Right, solely based on that. I've had deals accepted solely because they've worked with us in the past or right. had a good experience. I've had deals that aren't great deals 
but we still treated the agent with respect. And so when the name comes up again, mm-hmm. you, you get a boost. And it's the same thing in the investment right. world. It's a small community of investors. And if you get a reputation of burning bridges and zero-sum mentality and you've got to bleed in the street for me to win, man, nobody's going to want to do deals with you. That's interesting you mentioned about not great deals because I have <coughs> had times when the deal is a little bit rocky or mm-hmm. something. There's teeth on it because yeah. if one side is either inexperienced or mm-hmm. just very combative that, um, that yeah, that kind of instantly creates relationship and, and it's an op- actually it's more of an opportunity than yeah. you would expect. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, oh, well, I can't work with these people because it was a bad deal. But that's yeah. not always the case, right, depending on your communication. Right. I, I tell people up front that we're cooperative brokers. I, if we're in a deal together, we're cooperative brokers. That doesn't mean that you're not trying to get the best thing possible for your client. I'm trying to get the best thing possible for my client. But it does mean that to get my client what they want, I need to get your client what they want. Yeah. And if we find that middle ground, it's not always money. Sometimes it is, but it's not always money. But we can work through that. And then when the deal, if there's a challenging moment, we can have an open human conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I feel like, like I said, I work with a lot of agents and sometimes it sometimes gets personal and it maybe not from my end, but yeah. for them. And I'm just yeah. like, look, I am just pushing for the, the best for my client, what they want. Yeah. Hopefully understand that. And yeah. Otherwise, we can, you know, we can be cool up to this, but don't need to do with the name calling or, right, you know. right, right. I got screamed at. This has been a couple earlier this year. I got screamed at by an agent, a, a good agent, too, with mm-hmm. a or good reputation, called insane, like, and it was a very normal, very normal buyer request, very normal buyer request, <laughs> and just screaming. And I had to stop this agent and say, is everything okay? Like, uh, human to human, yeah. put aside yeah. the agent stuff for a minute. There's some, what I know is you there's know something going else on. going on. Yep. And it's being taken out of me. But that's why you have an agent. Yeah. That, that's why, for that buffer, because then you're, I'm an emotional person. I'm sensitive. Uh, yeah. I, I always don't want to always admit it. I wish I was that tough guy, but I'm not. Like I, it, I take it home. But that's my job. Right. Is so that it doesn't go to the buyer or the seller and poison the transaction because they have to live in that house for 30 years. Right. And I haven't had to buy very many sa- or smudge sticks, but I buy them every once in a while. For, like, <laughs> if it's a tough transaction, I try to keep that from leaking through to my buyer or my seller. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy them some sage. Like, let's smudge this house <laughs> before, you, before you move in. That, that's cool. That's all right. So. You, said, you said something important there, too. Like, you, you kind of stopped the agent and said, like, hey, are you okay? Because, yeah, you... And just like being a fiduciary, you can you can know a certain percentage of somebody's life, right? From yeah. talking to your client, like even me, you know, I collect so much data on somebody. Mm-hmm. I look at I look at a bunch of their bank accounts. I look at all this stuff. But I always say, like, you know, I'm only seeing the financial picture that yeah. you show me and tell me. Like, there could be all this other stuff going on in your life. So when it comes to those interactions, I think that's super important to be conscious of that. And they could blow you off, and that's fine. But it helps me sleep at night, and it helps me know that I'm. There is a human being. I recognize there's a human being. There's a, there's a human being as a tenant. There's a human being that's your barista. There's a human being that's your grocery store clerk. There's a human being that's your waiter. There's a human being in the other car that just cut you off. Like, just be a – it costs you nothing to be kind. And it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't I, – I get my clients so much more by being a human being, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm holding firm right now. My phone is – it's on Do Not Disturb. But I'm holding very firm for my <laughs> sellers right now on a situation. And, that, again, firmness doesn't equal weak. It just equals – you can do this job and be a human being and still get a good result. So, and sleep at night mm. and look your kids in the face. <laughs> it's important. It's, it's, it's really important for me anyway. So, and if not, then I'm not your guy, right? That's okay. That you're not everything to all people. I'm not everything yep. to all people. You're not every lender to all people. No. Nope. That's fine. I'll, I'll refer you to an agent. I know. I've got a couple. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you talk to them? So, yeah. Um, and, and so, in terms of the investment world, yeah. what do you. Where are you, what are you thinking about with your portfolio? Are you still trying to like make ads here in this market? Like, what are you, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, deal wise, I am. I so I branched. I've got a couple of vacation rentals out of the coast. Uh, I've been out of state. Uh, I bought with a four hundred one k, self directed. Oh wow! So I've done a bunch of. So I, you're I, still making a lot of moves. Yeah. As many as I can. Yeah. I think right now is an acquisition period. I think that this is going to be one of those times where people look back. And you, 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 if, there's nobody that wouldn't go back to the Great Recession and buy more, right? Knowing what yeah. we know now, you buy in 2006, ride the dip down and be perfectly happy on the other side. Um, there's nobody that wouldn't go back to the last time rates were 5%. What was it, like 2019 where they were edging at 5%? Um, there's nobody that wouldn't go back to the beginning of the pandemic and buy more. And I think we're in that spot right now. And people are scared of the rates, and I get it. But when everybody's scared, that's when you need to look for opportunity. Mm. Yep. Um, and I... I it's easier when you have a relationship with somebody to have that conversation because it doesn't come across as salesy because they know I'm not trying to sell them something. They right. don't have to buy. 
but I think people are missing an opportunity right now because they look at a rate. And if that's the only thing you look at, well, sure, don't buy. Right. But you've got to look at the, what's your long-term goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And there's some good buys out there right now. Mm. I mean, if I had an abundance of, I shouldn't say if I had an abundance of money, if I had a never-ending pot of money right now, I would be buying a bunch of condos in, in downtown, which is counter counter to a lot of yeah, because their price, their price is like it, the prices are like twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. Not every condo, but there are some good Certain condos ones, and yeah. good buildings, and I believe it will come back. Yeah, is it going to come back in the next one to three years? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, twenty years from now. Yep, probably. So, yeah. <laughs> again, and I use that. I use that example, not just condos downtown, but any property that you want right now. I don't see a world, at least in the Portland metro area, where it's worth less money in ten years. Yeah, I, I, ju- I don't see that world. Um, and if it if it does happen, let's say thirty years from now, home prices are less than they are right now. There's something so catastrophically gone wrong with our society that it doesn't matter. Like, and I don't I'm trying to be flippant, but it doesn't actually matter because something else crazy right. is going on. Yeah, like the the big quake or something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, know? if it levels everything, like, right. I, 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 that's my favorite about earthquake strapping. Well, this house not earthquake strapped. Well, I know, but nine point oh, it's gonna knock down everything. So. Um, <laughs> Like just get earthquake insurance and call it, <laughs> call it a day. Like 50 years past due, I think. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it, and, and we can't control it. Can't right. control it. So do we let that fear? I think fear drives a lot of our activities, and I try to get over that with, and I try to help people through it because we, we buy on emotion and we, we rationalize with fact, right? So I, you have a, a couple that's having a kid. And I'm like, okay, you're having a child. Are you contributing to your 401K? Yeah. So you do think life's going to be here in 30 years. You think life's going to be better. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a kid and you wouldn't contribute to your retirement or right. worry about yeah. it. So... <clears throat> I know it's scary right now, but in 30 years, it's going to be okay. And everybody looks back and says, oh, you can never buy a house for you know, $95,000 again. Well, you can't. But you'll also, in 30 years from now, you'll never really look back and buy a house for $600,000. Yeah. So buy the house. Yep. Yeah. Now, I always think when people say, oh, what if the market crashes and everything's, and it's like, then we're all in shit. And then everything we're all, sucks and it yeah. hurts for everybody. Yeah. And at least I have a house to sell that's probably, you know, that I've been paying off for some time. Sure. And, you know, you're, you could be potentially just paying rent. And that's mm-hmm. it. And have no money now that you've yeah. lost your job and all this stuff and have no assets. Yeah. Well, and you're paying 100% of the interest rate. So you're paying, you're worried about paying 7% interest now because it might crash, but you're paying 100% every month on rent. Like yep. every single month, you're paying 100% of that rent. So just, I'm not, again, it's, I don't tell people they should buy if they shouldn't buy but most people should buy a house as soon as they can or a duplex um or plex of any or kind fourplex. or fourplex <laughs> yeah. um because yeah it gives you those options you can always get more roommates you can always put people in there it just it gives you an option you don't otherwise have and if you don't sell it if everything crashes and you don't sell it you don't lose any money yeah just ride it out the other side it, it's just like the stock market you just ride it out the other side it's gonna be okay yeah, I mean, yeah, people don't stop buying in their retirement account. You gotta, you gotta no. buy in it every every month. Yeah, e- exactly. You just keep putting the money away towards it, and and you know that that creates this asset for you long term. And yeah, it, it it's totally scary. Of course it is. Nobody wants to be left holding the bag. Nobody does. And when you look back at it, you're not gonna be left holding the bag. I mean, you you could buy the biggest piece of junk on the market right now in the Portland metro area, and you can do nothing to it except pay the property taxes for the next twenty years. And you will sell it for more money than you sold it for right now. Yeah, it's you're not. There's no bag to be left holding. Seven percent. I mean, look at all the people that, that were waiting for the crash at six point eight percent, and now it's seven point three percent, right? And it's yeah. gonna it's gonna fluctuate. You just have to get okay with it. Do the fundamentals work? Does it advance your goal? Does it put you further along where you want to be? And then you just do it. No, I agree. And I mean, I'm not gonna say I personally like high interest rates, but no. like, I like. I mean, I like less competition. Yeah. I like being able to negotiate. I like getting it the lowest price point I can. Yeah. I know that's the best indicator in terms of how much wealth you're going to build on a property. Yeah. yeah. And there's always, like I said, hopefully rates drop, Jordan, yeah. at some point, and we refinance. Yeah. I mean, and if they go up, then you bought at the right time. Then you bought the right time, right? And that's, I look for clues and kind of these tea leaves along the way. And I, I've told people I'm not a Nobel Prize winning economist. And I pay I pay attention, right? And so when I see Warren Buffett put eight hundred million dollars into buying Dr. Horton and Lennar, he believes in the future of home building, yeah. right? You guys have had home builders I mean, on here before. People are buying. Like, there's not enough houses for for the I, amount of people we have. I'm so. not an economist. Like. Supply and demand. I understand that, <laughs> and I don't see Portland. I mean, yeah, everybody points back to oh, Oregon lost uh, you know population. So two years out of what twenty five, we lost population. I'm pretty okay with Multnomah County dripping a little bit out in the suburbs in Clark County. Yeah, um, there's not enough houses for everybody that wants to. And the governor's plan to build thirty six thousand a year, I love. It's not going to happen. Good and luck. I, I don't want to be negative. Like I, mean, I, I wish it well. I wish it does happen, but it's not going to. Cost of materials, cost of labor, building permits, building process, land in general, the land in general. Yeah, 
I mean, it's tough. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I say Portland still has a lot of opportunity. Yes. I lived in San Francisco. I yeah. I lived in LA. I lived in Seattle. Sure. Yeah. Yep. They're definitely not building. They're not building either. And we're cheaper. And we're less expensive. Oh, you've got all these people from San Francisco, Seattle. They are. We are still the least expensive big city on the West Coast. That's exactly what I say all the time. And, and, and it, it's, it's true. You can look at it. And that's, people are like, oh, I should, the same people that think that's not true are looking at, I want to go to Texas. I want to go to Tennessee. I want to go to Kansas City. And... Well, you're doing the same thing that Seattle and San Francisco and LA people are doing to us. It's it, yep. why are you any? You can't be any different than what's already out there. Yeah, yep. and even with our crime, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of jaded because I lived in San Francisco for like eight years. I'm like, so it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, there there is worse. There's Skid Row. There's places in Seattle that are yep. pretty bad. So. I was going to say there's a lot more room for us to keep moving in the wrong direction. There is. And I'm not a Pollyanna, right? I, I, I do. I recognize bad things happen. I, yeah. and, and are there things in the city that I don't like? Of course there are. But I we do a fair amount of travel. I go places for conventions. We go places for fun. Um, there's not – I was in I was in Montreal earlier this year. Montreal is supposed to be this epicenter of, you know, culture in, on North, in North America. It was dirty, uh, just like Portland was. It had a transient problem, just like Portland does. I saw mental health issues. Like I'm not making light of it, but I'm recognizing that we're not alone. Yeah, There's, it's yeah. not it's not a, a Portland thing. Yeah. It's, it's a global and, thing, and, unfortunately. And maybe we're not handling it the best way it could be. I don't know what the best way is either. But I, I do know that everybody else is having the same problem that we are. And so if, if we can look beyond that, if we have the perspective to recognize all the other reasons people come here, they're coming back. I, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned you vacation properties on the coast. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard, every time I talk about Airbnbs, every once in a while, someone kind of outside of mm-hmm. that world is like, hey, what's going on with Airbnb? I've yeah. heard it's way down. Yeah. Um, how are those investments working out for you? Are you guys maintaining? Or? Yeah. We lost a little this year. It's a little down. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're... I'd still buy more. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, they're... So I, I, we own two in Lincoln City. Um it's in the commercial. So the coast is not friendly to vacation rentals, right, in general. Yeah. Depending, yeah, depending on the township. But depending on where you are. Right. But if you buy in a commercial zone, just like you buy, just like here, you can do the same thing. You buy in a commercial zone, and you're we don't run afoul of the rules there. They so don't care if you're running a hotel because it's a commercial zone. It's a commercial zone. And it's actually an old hotel that got converted to condos. No. So, yeah, I mean, it's designed. You actually, in the codes, covenants, and restrictions, you can't live there permanently. It's only designed to be a short-term rental. Do you have to get, like, some kind of hotel uh, or motel permit or something? Is that the, the restriction? Yeah. I mean, I should know the answer. Yes. They're, they're, <laughs> yes. Uh, but the property management company takes, for, takes care of all that for me. They, they take they care of bookings. It. They take care of maintenance. They take care of everything. They take care of. And what is their what are their cut? What is thirty percent? Thirty percent, but yeah. you, you're still cash flow. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. When did you buy? Uh, one last year, one the year before. So man, I always anytime I look at that and I just like do yeah. the numbers on the back of the napkin math, I'm always like, eh, it looks like I'll just like be able to, you know, pay the mortgage and have yeah. a vacation home. But so the advantage of these is part of the reason that we were able to get in low because. Um, there, it's on leased land, so you can't get a loan. So, oh. so it keeps the price down. Okay. Um, which I mean, there's dangers of that. We can go into right. That. But, so you can't sell it for as much later. You, right. If the lease expires, <clears throat> uh, which it expires in 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did the math, and even with all cash in, it was still like it still I worked out to like a 14 percent return if I lost everything in 12 years. So I was okay with that, and then I used a 401k to buy another one. So, oh wow! Yeah, okay, so interesting. There's one across the there's one right across the river. Same same basic setup, old converted motel. It was two hundred thousand. That HOA was eight hundred bucks a month. So that one you're more likely to break even. <clears throat> but I look at the lifestyle approach of these. So um, we go. I was down there for July Fourth, oceanfront view, hang out, always have a place to go. Um, there's a lifestyle component to investing that I think people forget about sometimes. Totally. And so we get to use that. So if the cost is I break even and I'm only gaining on equity appreciation. And, and some cash flow in, the, in these cases because they're leased land. I'm okay with that because we get to go down there. We, I was down there last year for my wife's birthday and it was snowing at the beach. Like, so we got to sit Fun. there. Like literally, it's window, ocean. And so you're just sitting there staring and watching the snow fall on the beach. Like, okay, so I didn't get a, I could have gotten a 7% return cash on cash if I went over here, but who cares? Because right. I have that memory for the rest of my life. Totally. Yeah. Huh, interesting. And so you're going to continue to go down the short term rental route or? Do you have a Do you have a preference at this point? Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd actually like to diversify out of the building. I think I'll sell. We'll probably sell one next year and take that and put in a short term rental in Myrtle Beach, um, and where I can get I can leverage it and mm-hmm. at least I'll, I'll, I'll boost the long term rate of return that way. Um, I would buy a short term rental hands down in the right places. I unincorporated Washington County. 
in yeah. our in our molest- in there. Do you? Oh man, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I sat I sat there for like I won't tell you how many hours I spent uh, drawing out a map of unincorporated Washington County so I could search specifically for five bedroom rentals or five bedroom houses in unincorporated Washington County because I think that's where a bunch of money can be made. Yeah, I have uh, what was it a four bedroom in yeah in Portland unincorporated, unincorporated Portland, Portland. Yep. next to Jesuit High School. And yeah. No rules, just you just do what you want. Yeah, it's awesome. And I there, I, I've been told by uh, there's a short-term property manager there. I like that there are some regulations coming, but Washington County is actually engaging with uh, stakeholders, and um, I think we'll have some reasonable restrictions mm-hmm. on that. There'll but, be some restrictions yeah. coming, but not super aggressive. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm more looking long-term. I still I, I want to balance that out. I still like long-term uh, buy and hold. I think it makes sense. Um, I just and I like appreciation. You just you got to yeah. know why are you buying. And what is that getting you? And don't expect to buy in the Midwest and get double-digit return on in, or on appreciation every single year. Right. right. Like you've got to know that that's not what that property is going to be. Let's just say I have a lot of clients who are like, "Oh, I want an Airbnb." I'm like, you realize this is a full-time business it's a job. Right? Yeah. 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 Especially and unless you're willing to pay the manager, or you, or you pay, and then it's super passive, right? But then, but exactly. But then it's you've got to, you've got to make that choice. And thirty percent's a lot. Right? Yeah. And exactly. I can. You don't have to manage it. I could manage it myself. And I, I know somebody who does. And they they organize their own cleaning. They do all their own advertising. At what cost to me and time for my real job here? Yeah, and context switching all the time. One hundred percent. Yeah. So again, if that's what you want to do, if you're thirty years old or twenty years old, and you have no responsibility. Do that. One hundred percent. I'd rather spend time on my business or with my family or just staring at a wall at this point rather, rather than managing that. Like, that's not what I want to do. So I'm willing to pay that price. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say that I did it for a year. And yeah. I passed off the property management. And yes, I made more money yep. when I was doing it myself. Yeah. But the stress and the oh, time, God. I was like, you know what? If this breaks even, I do not care. Don't just, care. Yeah. Because you're still, you're still going to gain. You're still going to gain long term. Right. And that's, I turned all of my... All of my stuff is owned by or is run by a property manager. My long term too. I, I can do it. I'm aware of the rules. Yeah. It's just the penalty for being wrong has gotten so much higher. I still think there's opportunity, but I actually make more money with the property manager because I, I was bending rules and like, oh yeah, you know, I won't. It, it's just I get a property manager in there, let them be a professional. They they take better care of it than I do. They keep it maintained. Um, and they actually get me a better return. Oh, I mean, on my own. in Oregon, there's what State Bill six eleven. Yeah, and you have to like you have to get this paper on by the eighth. And yes, you have to send them this by the fifteenth, yeah. and this by the twenty second. I'm just like, who has time for that? If you don't send the right notice, and God, I can't. I just was in a class last week about yeah. another training. Yeah, if you if you don't send the right like here's this notice of what this is about on the right <laughs> form, you're liable to three months rent or three times was it yeah three three months rent plus actual damages, which can include attorney fees. Yeah. Like, why just I'm gonna pay a property manager. Oh I'll yeah, pay a let them manager. do this. Oh, they better be well well versed on this law. Yeah. And have insurance if they're wrong. Yeah. That's okay. Like you you're not gonna hit a hundred percent every time. I right. recognize that. So I wanna continue to grow. I'm in a um, Yeah, at a certain point that becomes a pretty significant liability yeah. if you have a decent amount of properties. Yeah. If you if you add that up on all your properties, that's gonna be a big number. For for sure. I have clients who inherited uh, friends of mine who inherited a bunch of properties and they came to me and said, Matthew, you're always talking about real estate. Like why why am I not making money on this? And so I sat down with them, we did a we did a rent calculation, we did a rent report and we looked at it and they are under renting like fifteen thousand dollars a month. It's almost it's almost, it was almost forty percent under rented every single month. I said that that's why you're losing money. Like so, let's get that fixed. Here's here's how we get that done. Like how do we get this up? Let's get it in a property manager's hands because you guys both have full time jobs. Yep. Don't don't worry about it. Let them let them handle it. And so yeah, they're gonna pay a property manager money, but they're still gonna come out ten grand ahead of where they are a month right now. So mm. yeah, I think it's just that perspective of what's the big picture instead of getting so focused right here. What's in front of me right now? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean like. Uh, it, well, I still haven't done long-term property management. I have mm-hmm. short-term property management, yeah. which is actually a lot higher percentage. But yeah. like, I always looked at that like, oh, man, it's either 10 to 14%. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, uh, right? Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I might pass some of my long-term off to property management. Yeah, I think finding a good property manager is, is vital. Um, there's just like agents, right? It, yeah, the, exactly. the barrier to entry is it's like getting married. It's really easy to do, hard to stay in. <laughs> um, it's really easy to be a property manager. And there are some great ones out there. There's some great agents out here. There are some that honestly do a disservice. I, I've seen agents that actually cost their clients money because they, they, paid their, they paid their agent a lot of money to do a bad job. And that's mm-hmm. just, so vet them, talk to people, get referrals. I'm a referral guy, get referrals and, and make sure that you're vetting it and you know what you're buying and you know what you're getting. And then you still have to manage the manager. I still, 
I'm in contact with the, the condos out on the coast on a regular basis. I'm in contact with uh, my guy here in Portland. I'm in contact with the ones out in uh, Kansas City. Yeah. Like that's, it's still my, that's my job. But now I be, now I get to manage three people instead of right. this. Yeah. So, so what's your kind of medium or longer, you know, your five-year, ten-year kind of horizon or plan moving forward with your investments yeah. and your business? Uh, growing my business. I'm growing my agent count. Uh, oh, God, that sounded so bad. Can we edit that? Get it. Uh, uh, it's not my agent count that I'm growing. What I do, my business is um, support as a service, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know that I can support a lot of agents. The business can support a lot of agents high-end marketing, they've got to be the right agent for the team, right? Mm-hmm. They've got to be a referral-based agent. If a cold caller comes on the team, there's no shame with that, but we're not going to be able to support them in the right yeah. way, right? So aligning, getting alignment with people that are doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and helping them get what their goals are. So that's that's the business end of growing um, growing Cama Homes. Uh, personally, I'm just trying to acquire as much as I can in the next 10 to 12 years. I'm mm-hmm. 43, so I figure if I can acquire as much as I can until 55 and then spend five to seven years paying mm-hmm. off as much as I can, then I'll be set. Yeah, that's so. What that looks like, I, I'm really open. Uh, I that's why I've tr- done a bunch of stuff. Is I want to put my own money to something before I ask for anybody else's money. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get into some development. I've done flips. I'm doing I'm doing one right now. Um, by doing one, I mean just sitting and waiting for approval from the HOA. But that's another story, <laughs> uh, right? So, but I wouldn't want to go ask somebody else for their money if I haven't done it myself. Right. So I will probably do a small development at some point in time with my own money and my own funds, and then do an investment fund. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of long-term. Oh, so you're kind of stepping your way up. I like it. Yeah, because that way I can look somebody in the eye and say, you know, yeah, my money's in this too. Oops. I've got skin in the game. Um, I Yes, here's what we've done in the past. Here's the pro forma. It might not work. You, you might not get where we expect to be, mm-hmm. but but here's at least the steps that we're doing, and I have put my own money at risk for this. I was going to say, uh, most people don't sell performance like that. They say this is the best thing ever. Yeah, no way, <laughs> yeah, no way man. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm, I won't be all things to all people because there are people that want that. Right. I, I'm going to tell you here's the worst case scenario. Like yeah, yeah. my flips, I, I work on my second one. I'm not a, I'm not a flipper because I'm really, really diligent about what's my worst case scenario. My worst <clears throat> case scenario has to be break even. Mm. And if it's not break even, and I mean everything that goes wrong can go wrong. Yep break even, then I just don't do it. It's right. not, I, I don't have scale in that way and I don't want to build enough scale to, to take those risks on. So break even or nothing. You might miss some deals, but you're not going to get burned. But I'm not going to get burned. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, Makes sense. Yeah. And if you were, you know, if one of our listeners here was like kind of sitting on the sideline, thinking about it, getting invested into their first property, but wasn't sure, you know, how to go about doing that, what yeah. would you recommend would be like a great way to get started I think before you get started, you need to figure out where you're trying to go mm. and um, have that perspective and, and align your goal, your activities with your goals. I think that's that's why a lot of agents don't succeed. I think that's probably why a lot of lenders don't succeed. That's why a lot of investors don't succeed is their activities aren't aligned with what their goals are. Yeah. If you want to syndicate, if you want to do syndication and you want to own you know, 10,000 doors in, in three years, well, you can do that. But that has to be your focus then on every single thing. If you just want to own a couple properties, you can do that too, and your, your activities can be different. So get those in alignment, and that way you're not disappointed in the future. Um, I always, I try to talk buyers out of buying. I mean, I know that that sounds crazy, but that's my, my first job is to stop people from buying a bad house. And so I talk to them about, okay, so how long are you going to be in the Portland metro area? Uh, we might move in two years. Are you sure you want to buy right now? And, and if they're investors, they might answer be yes. Okay, well, then let's buy with an eye not to what makes right. you happy, but what makes a tenant happy. Something that yeah. you could easily convert into a rental. Exactly. But yeah. we don't know that if we don't go down the road and have the conversation about what you're trying to accomplish and what the future looks like. And we don't know, but you can at least put some guardrails on that. So I'd say the first step is get with competent advisors that are going to give you <clears throat> the best information for you and your situation. And then ultimately, you have to make your own decision. Yeah. I was going to say, you talk buyers out of buying. I talk sellers out of selling. Like, All day hey, long. What's your, what's your mortgage? Yeah. Whoa, did you know you could rent this for $500 more a month? Yes, I did it on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't have advertised that I was working on Saturday. Uh, I tried to take some time for myself, but I did it on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. We said, look, we can sell. I will sell it for you. We probably will. But I, I walked you through the math of get a HELOC. Here's what your total payment's going to be. You put this on the next one. Like it's because you will never buy that asset back at that price. Exactly. Yeah. Or if you sell it, hey, here's all your capital gains. Right. Yeah. Have fun paying taxes. Have fun with that. Like I, I, I recognize that I need to, for personally, selfishly, I need to sell houses to pay my bills. I don't need to sell their house. Yeah. I don't need to sell that particular one. Right. So mm-hmm. why not do the right thing? Yep. Uh, and, and so that that's what I would say is figure out what that goal is. And then that could be a house hack. right? I think that works really well for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I just had a friend that, 
I helped him buy their second house. Um, they, he came to me at an investment seminar or a wealth building panel discussion I did earlier this year, and he was all set to go buy a short-term rental. And then we talked about what's the goal. Well, the goal is that they have these assets that they can use for their girls when their girls are older for college. I said, well, we just buy another house in the same school district you're already in. And that, that worked out to be a much better choice for them. They were able to get more house here because uh, they, cause they mm. were owner-occupied than they could take that same right. money into a, into a short-term rental somewhere they didn't know or have a tie to. Right. So it's finding out what that, that piece is. And now eventually they'll do it again or they'll pull money out and buy something, a, a true rental. But right. there's some easy ways to get started in this. Um, house hacking is probably the easiest. I did it accidentally. I didn't know what it was at the time. I just, yeah, it was <laughs> accidental. But, um, you know, that's I, I think that's an easier, more forgiving route for a lot of people that doesn't take 20 or 25% down or get into, like, how are you going to explain seller financing to somebody who's never bought a house before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, the last two episodes were about that. But. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> I, and, and it's, a, I, I've never, it's one of the things I've never done. Uh, yeah. We've approached it. We've talked about it at a 10-unit apartment complex I was, I was uh, working on last year that didn't quite pan out. But, again, if you're... If you're trying to run before you can walk, and you're trying to go to a seller and explain to them the benefits of why they should do a wrap with you, <laughs> well, like maybe you should own your own home first, right? right? And, and and be able to speak to that. I just I, I I think that's the foundation, and maybe it's different if you're again if you have different goals, but that's how I would approach it first. Hmm. No, yeah. I get that. I like that, and especially with like rates how high they are, and yeah. if you like even with like getting into an FHA, those payments are ridiculous. So yeah. hey, offset, find a way. Hey, yeah. be creative, defer some. Uh, was it defer some not gratitude but defer uh, your uh, uh, um, oh, I can't think of the word <laughs> uh, 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 oh man gratification thank yes, you defer gratification for a yeah. bit and you know obviously build an investment and that's the good yeah. way you know to get in in a in a harder market lower price and yeah hey when, in the future thank me next year when Jordan promises us four percent rates <laughs> yeah <it's> a, <laughs> you know you told me three and a half uh, <laughs> refinance those payments are going to drop significantly yeah, yeah. and, and oh. as long as you can afford them now you're gonna be fine and yeah. if, they, if they don't most drop, importantly yeah can you afford it now and we, yes. we, it doesn't even just have to be young right we I work with a lot of people who are their kids are going off to college and well okay you're gonna pay their dorm fees you buy a house yep. where I just helped some I, I helped some people in Poughkeepsie, New York. I connected some people to uh, their daughter got accepted to college there, and they said, "Look, we can we're going to pay like it was like eighty thousand dollars over the next four years on housing costs." I said, "Why don't we just put that money into this private school? Why don't we just put that money into a house nearby, and then she's going to have roommates that live there, yeah. and then in four yeah. years we can sell it, but at least it's the building them appreciation in the meantime, or they keep it as a college rental." Well, and if they're super savvy, they can hire their kid as a manager. As a manager, yeah. And then pay into their retirement account. Right, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. But you got to you got to walk before you run. But you gotta yeah, have that you got to you got to first you get it. the property uh, before yeah. you do that. Yeah. So it's not just to me. It's not just about young kids. Uh, you know. Um, Older people can start investing if they have it. And you, I mean, go oh, yeah. buy a vacation rental and you like to go to Mexico, go buy a vacation rental in Mexico or Costa Rica or out of the coast or in Bend or, you know, Palm Springs or whatever you want to do that, that helps benefit your life. There's lots of ways to make that happen. Yeah, if you're empty nester, just yeah. maybe redo your basement into a rental. And yeah. As long as you don't mind that, like, you have some sure. income coming to your house. I've tried to get my parents to buy duplex all the time. Mom, yeah. again, if you made it this far. Let's buy a duplex. Like I just, <laughs> it, it, may, it makes sense uh, to provide that cash flow later in life. You're going to need uh, uh, elder care. Like it's, it's happening. You're going to need medical care. You're going to need, and if you don't, and I'm wrong, great. Then you've just got more assets to go have fun with. I mean, I always think of like you know, in case of a huge emergency, you know, family member gets cancer, or yeah. I get cancer, or yeah. something like that. Okay, well, I'll sell one of these houses, get a couple hundred grand. Yep, covers. Obviously, a like a life-threatening situation, and yep. I don't have to be in debt for that. Exactly. You don't have to run your assets down. And if you plan ahead, you work with the state attorneys, get them put in trust the correct way so that you don't have the Medicare look back. Like, there's a lot of things you can do, but you've got to set yourself up with that future vision. I think so many people put their head down, and they're analyzing, 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 analyzing. Analy I know you guys have said it before. You just said your recap a couple weeks ago. Like, just do it. At some point in time, you've got to take a step and you've got to trust yourself that the worst case scenario is probably not going to happen. The best case scenario is probably not going to happen, but the worst case scenario is probably also not going to happen. So, no, and don't, don't risk money. You can't lose. I guess that'd be, that's it. Like if you can't afford to lose the money, don't, don't put it on the table. Yeah. I was going to say, start safe. Like even with my fourplex, yeah. I was like, and I didn't know anything about rentals then. Like I was like, if nobody rents yes. any units and it's completely empty, I don't know. I didn't know anything about rentals at sure. this point. Yeah, yeah. I was like, if I can afford this mortgage with my W two job, I'm okay. I can yeah. take. I can take this step. Yeah. And that's the reason I. I was like, okay, let's go for this. One hundred percent. I mean, that's when I bought the rental in the Midwest. That was, that was my thought process. I saved up. We, my wife and I talked about it. We said, look, I'm going to cry really hard if we lose this money. 
It's not going to be a good day. Yeah. But it's not going to cripple our financial future. I'm not borrowing from something else. I'm not, you know, this wasn't a 401k. This wasn't a home equity letter credit. This was just a pile of cash that we'd saved up a little bit over time, and we could put this towards us to try it. Because I'd heard horror stories, but I want to put my own money into it to try it first. Again, I would cry if that went away. But the worst case scenario is probably not going to happen. So, yeah, perspective. It's okay. I, I cry when I stub my toes. So. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah ex- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, is that helpful? Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. And if people are trying to get a hold of you, find yeah. you on social media, or just contact you in general, how could they find you? Uh, website, camahomes, K-A-M-A-Homes.com. Uh, Instagram, Kama underscore homes, um, or all over online, Matthew at camahomes.com. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for the yeah. insight, and uh, we're looking forward to putting the episode out there. Appreciate you guys having me. Happy 50th, happy 50th, right? Yeah, thank yeah, you. Now I've, committed, now I've committed you to 50. <laughs> this has got to go out on number 50. No, no preemption. All right, we'll see how it goes. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.